Welcome into a, another edition of the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I'm Jared Jesselitis. Over there is Jeff Julek. We're going to spend the whole hour nothing but Purdue basketball talk because there is so much to talk about with this squad. So much to be happy about, Jeff, as uh, this team is knocking on the door. Robbed last week of it, but knocking on the door yet again of the number one ranking for the first time in program history would be huge. The only thing standing in the way, seemingly, is the Iowa Hawkeyes tonight at 9.30. i tell you what, what a week to be a Boilermaker. You know, just an incredible week with uh, two more big victories by the basketball team. You what about know, women's basketball the, there? You women's you basketball. What? How about the, with the buzzer beater and stuff, too? Oh. I mean, it's a great time to be a Boilermaker right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, Katie's doing an incredible job. You know, we got the bucket back with a dominating performance over the Hoosiers on mm-hmm. Saturday. And then volleyball team uh, wins over Illinois State last night. So, you know... I'm not sure it gets much better for a uh, Boilermaker fan than what we've seen in the last week or so. Don't, don't forget about your wrestling team. They're top 20 right now. They're top at Las Vegas this weekend. Right. I mean, come on. we got a lot going on here. We a lot do. Of, it's, it's, it's all real good. Uh, but this uh, men's team here continues to dominate one of the most efficient, if not the most efficient, offensive team in the country. Uh, these guys are hitting at a very impressive clip. What did they, they shoot the other night? 59%? Yeah. 59%! <laughs> yeah. How? How, Jeff? How do you do that? I know they're good, but 59%. I mean, they're shooting around 60% every single game, and they're shooting over 40% from three-point range. I mean, it's just uh, it's just impressive to see. And uh, you're absolutely correct. They did get robbed last week because, you know, I don't think there's any doubt in, in most people's mind around the, in, around the country that this is the best basketball team at this point in time in the country. And yet I know if Purdue goes out and beats Iowa – I still know, in my heart of hearts, when those votes come out on Monday, there's going to be at least one, if not two to three voters who do not have Purdue number one. I know it. In my heart of hearts, Jeff, well, I know it. It's true. undeniable to anybody who watches this team and is paying attention. But there's always got to be some jabroni out there in Seattle or something like that that just thinks that, uh, oh, it's all that East Coast bias and stuff well, there, Purdue. Now, now two of those non-first-place uh, non votes will come from Bloomington, I'm sure. But then after that, you're right, the rest, the other one will come oh, from Oh, they're going to get there. Don't you worry. <laughs> they'll, they'll figure out soon enough what's going on up here. Um, you know, because uh, I know people get upset with the, uh, they call it the IU star all the time and the headlines and all that stuff. And look. They're going to learn. They're going to they're, they're gonna figure it out sooner or later here that this team is not to be trifled with. Uh, they continue to dominate 7-0, but then again, you can't really take this Iowa Hawkeyes team lightly either, Jeff. They are also 7-0. They are also hitting over 50% of their shots. They are also scoring 90-plus points a game here, too. Now... The competition that Iowa's been doing it against versus the competition Purdue has been doing it against, big difference. Big, big difference. But that doesn't mean this team's not dangerous. Oh, no. And, you know, just just think back to the, you know, the Rick Mount bobblehead, uh, the night hey, honors him. And, no, no, no. And, that, that goes in there the Music City Bowl. That didn't happen. <laughs> don't mention that kind of stuff, man. And, you know, not, you know, I don't want to bring it up too, but I, I do believe what uh, I was ranked uh, number two in the country in football when the Boilermakers visited them. But but that's that's irrelevant what, to this what, conversation. Why are you putting up these storylines so. for? Why are you going to be a negative Nancy like that? Don't put that out in the universe. <laughs> you know, this, they're going to have their hands full with the Boilermakers tonight. I mean, they just, um, you know, they've got a great player in Murray, and and, and he can score. And um, but you know, their calling card has not been defense, and you're going to have to play some defense. And 
you know, and uh, as much trouble as the Boilermakers had last year with Garza, they're going to have that same amount of problem with, with Zach Eady tonight. And so, you know, they don't have a real strong inside game, and, and that's not a good uh, uh, a good thing to happen to you when you have to play a team like Purdue with, with both Eady and Williams down low. So, yeah, it, it should be a uh, high scoring game tonight. I think I both uh, I think we both took the over in that in that category. But uh, you know, this is going to be one of those games where I, I look for the Boilermakers to uh, use their depth and wear them out like they've done so many teams and, and roll to another victory. Yeah, you got to slow down Keegan Murray. You brought it up, you know, almost 25 points per game, uh, about nine rebounds a game, shooting 61%. Uh, a pretty decent three-point shooter, too, at 34.5%. Uh, a guy's going to be able to step out, so you're going to need a guy like first on him that's going to be able to play that kind of defense out there on the wing and not give him those open corner threes. Not like those guys out in uh, in Ames have uh, been known to do stuff like that, right, to you? They've, uh, they've always seemed to have those guys. In fact, they still have those guys. They just never graduate, like uh, Jordan Bohannon, who has been there for about nine years now, it seems like. Uh, it's getting out of hand. I feel like there's now there's two McCaffreys there. I feel like there was only one, but now there's two of them. Um, and for some reason, junior and senior listed here. I'm like, hold on a second. Have, have I just been blind to that? It feels like just Look, classic Iowa team. They're going to have some strong wing guys here that can shoot the three. You're going to have to get out there and play the defense on them. That's my big concern tonight for the Purdue Boilermakers. And then the question for them is how healthy is Murray? Because he uh, rolled his ankle pretty good and went to the locker room during that Virginia game but returned to action and, and played. But, uh, you know, he may have some lingering effects against that. You know, they, they go with three six-foot-nine guys. They're going to try to spread the court. They're going to try to play some zone defense. So this will be the first time the Boilermakers have seen a zone this year. Um Traditionally, that's not a good strategy against the Boilermakers because they can drain the threes at a, at a great clip, as you've seen them shoot over 40% so far. And then you're going to be able to get the ball down low to Zach and to Trey, and that could be a real problem if they stay in that zone very much. Yeah, so uh, let's hope that uh, this great A coaching staff here knows that the zone is coming. They've prepared their team for how to handle a zone. Not saying somebody else in the conference went up against a zone recently and looked completely unprepared to play against it. <laughs> it's neither here nor there, neither here nor there, but it will be a tough challenge here. And this is one of those teams that you think, uh, Jeff, when you look at the Big Ten as a whole right now, you say, all right, who is going to push the Purdue Boilermakers in Big Ten play? I would say Iowa can be one of those teams because offensively, I think they are capable of trying to keep up uh, with Purdue. They're probably one of the better teams in the conference in that regard, they just they don't play defense is their problem. Yeah, and certainly they can score. But I tell you what, you know, Purdue is getting better and better defensively. I thought they played a really nice game against Florida State at times. You know, they 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 allowed too many dribble drive dribble drives to the basket and those kind of things. But you know, and that's the beauty of this team. This you would much rather have a team that you have to work on defense as opposed to offense because you know this team is scary good on on the offensive side of the basketball. Whether or not is on the defensive side, and that's what they're working on in practice. So imagine if their defense gets to the level that their offense is playing right now. I mean, uh, that would oh, be they, just, they, that would be an NBA team at this point. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, it feels sure. like uh, it would be it would be that darn good. You know, talking with Brian Newber from GoldenBlack.com uh, earlier in this week, uh, he says that the scary part for him watching this team was they were very good against the Seminoles, but you still watch that game and go, they didn't play their best game offensively. That's that's the scary part about it. Like, there's still room to grow offensively for this team. Yeah, you know, and it, it's just amazing to watch the players come off the bench because Brandon Newman comes off and just has an incredible game against the uh, against the Seminoles after having you know 16 points against Omaha last Friday, and then 
one person who I thought that steadied the ship, even though the ship didn't need to be steadied at the time, was Ethan Morton. He is doing so much off that bench to be a role player, to get those rebounds, to make a steal here and there. And, you know, they just have so many players coming at you that contribute to this team in one way or another. I just don't know how you deal with them at this point because of the fact that they are so dominant in all phases of the game. That was another thing we talked with uh, with Brian about is looking for these red flags. Boy, you really got to squint. You got to pop those glasses up. You got to squint real good there to see if you can kind of find anything. Um, you know, I, I respect Brian a lot. So when he says, I- I'm looking for the cracks here, I'm looking for the possible issues that could bubble up here as we get into January and uh, early into February. And even he feels like he really can't find anything. And that's really the amazing part about this team. It's not the depth of it. It's just that you're looking for those cracks in that armor. And try as you might, a guy who has followed all these guys since they've been recruits in high school can't seem to really put a finger. Not to say there's probably not something there that there's going to be a Big Ten team that finds a way to give Purdue some fits. Purdue has an off night shooting and some things come together. Uh, Look, I, I think they'll probably lose a game or two. Even Michigan, as bad as they look right now, can easily put it together and uh, you have the talent level to give Purdue some problems at a time. It's yeah. eventually going to have to happen. But, you know, to, like I said, to listen to a guy like that, take a look and say, I don't see an underlying issue here that's going to worry me down the stretch. That's, uh, I mean, it really puts you in a good place as a Purdue fan. Well, and you know, most players improve in the offseason. And so we saw how this team ended up last year with back-to-back losses to High State, North Texas. But now all of a sudden you've seen – and, you know, you, you start the game the season with a couple games and you don't know where, what you've got. But you can look at every single player on this team and you can say they've all improved. I mean, it's just amazing how much this team has improved. And, oh, by the way, how much has Caleb First added to this team? You know, his, his that that one possession possessions where he missed his free throw, came down on the other end, blocked the shot, got the rebound, got fouled, and came back down and drained two free throws. I mean, it, it just penalizes this type of player he is. And, you know, this kid could be a superstar on most teams in the Big Ten right now. And he's a role player who's averaging, you know, averaging 10 points a game and getting rebounds. And, oh, by the way, when he's open, he drains his threes. I yeah. mean, just an incredible contribution to this team. And that's something Purdue hasn't had out of that four position for a couple of years. And that's making this team so much better by having somebody like Caleb First at your four. He just has like a natural instinct. Yeah, you know he's always around it's the ball. Like right place, right time, kind of Johnny on the spot. It's kind of things that you could you could teach a little bit of, but like there's just that that instinct. He just knows on the backside where to be at. It's it's really remarkable to watch. All right, listen, we're going to take a break here, but we're going to come back. Alan Carpet, GoldenBlack.com, still our guest here. Uh, he, they got a great deal over GoldenBlack.com for you if you get signed up today, too. So we'll talk to him about that, and uh, we'll continue to break down this Boilermaker basketball team as they get set for Iowa tonight at 9.30. We'll be right back. This is the Boiler Basketball Show on 101.7 The Hammer and 101.7 TheHammer.com. Welcome back to the Boiler Basketball Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. We're going to pop on over to our Hammerhead hotline. Alan Karpik, the publisher of GoldAndBlack.com, is on with us. Uh, now, I will remind folks, uh, you know, I'm a subscriber, Jeff's a subscriber. I know, Alan, you're having a great, for if you're thinking about becoming a subscriber, you guys got a great promo that's going on, I believe, through tonight, right? 
Midnight tonight, operators are standing by. That we got annual <laughs> subscription sale. You know, what a better way to celebrate uh, if you're a Purdue fan, a Purdue victory. You can come right home and subscribe and get uh, Brian Newbert's report, which is like no other, uh, and become a member of Goldback for all of $20.21. So wow. We, we've, had, we've had a really good response, not surprising uh, to that and uh, over the last couple of days, and uh, you can do so through tonight. Uh, we don't run a lot of sales throughout the course of the year, so this is a great opportunity. We've had a lot of fun. It's It's funny. Isn't it funny, guys? Winning people get happy when they win. Isn't that funny how that works? <laughs> even, even in football, you know, it's like everybody's everybody's they're happy, but also interested and engaged. You know, we always talk about that at Golden Black that we could write all the good content in the world, and our guys Tom and Brian do, in my view. Um, but winning really kind of is what gets people excited. Yeah. It's and the holiday exciting. season, buddy. Everybody is yep. jolly. It's there's there's yeah, lots to be no grateful doubt. for no right doubt. now with this. Uh, you said football team, basketball team. I mean, look, Katie Gerald's that women's basketball team oh, are doing what a job she's oh. doing. I mean, it's incredible. And uh, to, to, she's already got two victories that I didn't think they'd get, um, and almost got a third against West Virginia. So you know, to beat Florida State and Georgia Tech uh, the way that they did is extremely impressive. She's got nowhere to go without. They're going to have some ups, ups and downs this year. We know that, but uh, she is she's the right person. Great attitude community person she's gonna people will get behind this program uh, because of what it's done and uh i'm thrilled for her uh, just because I, I i like the way she approaches things alan you've been covering purdue for uh, i don't know a, a long time we'll just put it that way i mean a long time this basketball team right here i mean is this is this the best basket purdue basketball team you've ever seen uh yeah you know i think i think so um, I think that you look at it from a December third perspective and say, sure. And I don't the thing. And then when you make a statement like that, you look at it and say, wait, well, what's going to change? Um, and you know, we talked about uh, off the air, and you guys have been talking about the Seth Greenberg from the Purdue, the Noah's Ark of basketball, college basketball, two of everything, only one of Jaden Ivy. And yeah. yet, this is a team that uh, you know has got a lot of uh, margin for error. Now, you don't want injuries, but things are going to happen throughout the course of the season. I don't think this team will go undefeated, though I'm not sure it, sure it can't. Uh, but my point is, yes, this is this is as good as it's gotten. It's pretty much never been number one uh, in all its years. It's been number two. Uh, and you also look at this roster from a pro perspective. And I, I would argue, you know, we used to be the old adage, and Jeff and I go back long enough to remember that, oh, you had to have two NBA guys to or whatever that number was to to do X in the NCAA tournament. Well, Bill Purdue's got, uh, you know, may have three or four guys that are going to maybe not be NBA All-Stars, so I think Jaden Ivey has that ability, um, that uh, will be those types of players. But the best thing about them is that they play together. You watch the body language of this team. They're supporting one another. It just couldn't be a lot better, at least from a December 3rd perspective, and I'm not sure – what's going to change because these are quality individuals that, uh, you know, that want, you know, when I think I watch Mason Gillis cheering on Caleb first, uh, I watch Eric Hunter Jr. cheering on Isaiah Thompson. Uh, it doesn't get better than that. And you, as from a culture standpoint, and that's the reason why Purdue can, can put that t- culture together. And then you add that talent and you've got a really good basketball team. 
And Alan, I know I speak for Jared here, but you know we appreciate you having you on the show each week. And, and the reason we do is because you just bring such knowledge to uh, to our program. And you know you've been. What, do you, covering... do you owe him money? What is this? We we gave, <laughs> no, we know, gave the okay. pump in the beginning <laughs> here. You don't have to keep doing it throughout the interview. I know it's his birthday coming up and everything, but hey, well, my birthday's passed. Yeah, I gotta now. say you missed oh, that I'm one. I'm working but... on my next one now. I got, I got but anyway, no, you, thank you, Jeff. But go ahead. But anyway, I mean, you know, you've covered Purdue for sixty years. I mean, you were a student manager for the basketball team. Your family has lived Purdue. You've written books on Purdue basketball. You have, you know, you have a TV show every week where you cover Purdue. You have just lived this, and, and you've done such an incredible job. Of, and you're always a level-headed uh, individual on those post-game call-in shows. But as an individual, what is it going to mean to Alan Karpik at 12 noon on Monday if you wake up and the every coach in America and all the writers say Purdue is the best basketball team in the country. What's that going to mean to you personally? Well, I think it means a lot. You know, I was actually in my time uh, as a student manager. I was that you know, tells you how old I am that I was. That was the last Final Four, 1980, and and being around that group. And of course, I was old enough to remember that Purdue's run to the national championship in 1969, also in the national championship game. Yeah, I, I think it's. I, I think on a personal level, sure, because uh, I, I have a. I do have a unique relationship that I've been involved with the program just because of my my role as a manager and the supporter of those guys. For my goldenblack.com hat, yeah, it's just fun to see this, and I think it's important. You know, people, not necessarily in, in Lafayette, Indiana, uh, what uh, uh, the whole situation with with with, with respect to the. Uh, the fact that they get that being number one has some value and has a great opportunity to be uh, has a lot of value because a recognition of a program that has been a great program in college basketball dating back to the days of Piggy Lambert, you know, 1920s and 30s, and it's finally has an opportunity to happen. So I don't minimize that at all. I think it's an important thing for the program uh, to have that recognition. And yeah, you want to live up to it, and you don't want to be number one in December third and losing the first round of the NCAA tournament. I understand that, but I do think the recognition is important. Yeah, I'm I'm going to enjoy it on a personal level just because if they get the opportunity, got to win tonight, guys, and we know that. And it's proves an eleven and a half point favorite or whatever the Boilermakers are tonight. But uh, that's going to be the fun, the fun part of it. And you know what? It's through this world that we've all been through over the since March of 2020. Let's enjoy this too. You know, if you don't enjoy, if you're a Purdue fan and you can't sit in Mackey Arena tonight and uh, and and enjoy something truly unique, or watch it on television or listen to it on the radio, uh, you're missing something. And that that's kind of the message here uh, and the broader picture. We're talking with uh, Alan Carpet, GoldenBlack.com, on our Hammerhead Hotline. A, a lot of uh, praise being heaped on Coach Matt Painter, and, and rightfully so, Alan. But uh, in situations like this, uh, I think you got to look at also the assistants. You know, uh, Coach Brandon Brantley, uh, I think, has done a tremendous job of uh, getting this, uh, you know, uh, this offense clicking and stuff. Paul Lusk has done a great job. And you also have to take into consideration the turnover that Matt Painter has had over the last couple of years with his assistants because, you know, they're going on to bigger and better things here, too, coaching on their own. But the fact that Matt Painter is uh, able to continuously – bring in this level of assistant coach and get this team to where it needs to be. Um, that, that's, uh, that's something that bears uh, noting, I think. Well, I, I think it's an important part of how good operations and organizations work. You know, Matt Painter has worked 
And that's the thing I'm glad for him. And again, he, he doesn't, I, I honestly really believe this. I don't much sure he cares at all whether they get to be number one with the exception that what it does for the program and what it does for his ability to recruit and attract the best kids here. But yeah, he's built, he's had to, you know, as we always say about Matt Painter's career, you know, he came in uh, and had to endure a nine win season with, with uh, Gene Cady's, you know, some, you know, Carl Landry and David Teague being injured but he set the foundation for them and it allowed them also, he focused on the things he had to focus on, go get Rob Hummel and Etwan Moore uh, and company, Juwan Johnson, Scott Martin and build your program. Then he had two years where there were people casting a lot of doubt, you know, in the early 2010s were pretty, or 2012 to 14 were pretty actually finished last, but he's continued to reinvent himself and get better, maybe better assistance or assistance that can help him, changed the way he's coached uh, and and he's he's self-reflective enough that he's been able to do that and, and not a lot of people in the business world do that well uh and, and he's got you know terry johnson also the third edition mm-hmm. uh the offensive guy that from ohio state's been a great addition from all accounts you know he's got a good organization around he's got good trainers he's got good people that help them with their with uh, psychological services. It's just, it's, that's the kind of organization this guy's built. And it's, so that's part of the reason why getting number one really is a, is a testament to the job that he's done and that the entire program's done. And, and let's hope, uh, you know, I, I try to keep my fan hat uh, aside here, but I, I think it would be great for Purdue if it happens. And, and uh, uh, we'll see after tonight's game against Iowa, but uh, I like the Boilermakers' chances. Yeah, you know, and you talk about Terry Johnson. I mean, you know, he was a defensive guy at Ohio State, and he's right. made that transition to offense. And, you know, and Matt's been that innovative coach who has said, okay, we're going to be like football. I have an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. And it's kind of strange to see Matt stepping aside at the end of the game sometimes and letting the offensive coordinators make those last calls or those kind of things. But, you know, he's done an incredible job making that transition from Ohio State. Yeah, the best coaches, though, and the best people, I would all say, in business or or an administration or wherever are allow people to do their jobs. And Matt Painter, and you guys all know, been around and he's one of the smartest people you'll ever find. And he's got a photographic memory. Uh, he's got uh, a amazing skill, uh, you know, from that standpoint, uh, you know, it, it is, it is uh, all of that. And, uh, and yet he's self-reflective enough and, and confident enough, mature enough, to let let the process work its way out doesn't mean he doesn't. I'm sure uh, you know, when it comes time to do the things he needs to do, he does them. But that's a credit to him, and that's a credit to the program. And this isn't going to stop after this year. Now, I'm not saying this team's going to be a top five team for the next 15 years, but uh, the cupboard is far from bare. Even uh, and we're not looking at next year yet. But I'm just saying, no matter what happens, no matter who goes pro after this year, uh, Purdue's going to have a good basketball team for the foreseeable future. AlecCarpetGoldenBlack.com. Again, take advantage of that special while you still can today. Uh, I love the site. Subscription's really worth it. And uh, to scoop it up for a year at uh, just over $20 is, it, that's an insane deal. It's, it's steel. Uh, I don't know how Alan's keeping the lights on when you guys are doing subscriptions for that price. But uh, get out there and make sure you, you listen to Tom, you listen to Brian when I have him on the regular shows, you listen to Alan when we have him on these shows. You know they're good stuff, so and they're great people. Uh, it's a tremendous thing. So, Alan... Always appreciate you, my friend. Love talking hoops with you. All right. Hey, guys, have a great rest of the show, and we'll be maybe talking about number one Purdue next Friday and uh, heading in. But, you know, again, 
So the other thing, they got to go to Rutgers. They got to beat Iowa. These are, these are going to be challenging games. Don't, don't get me wrong. And, and that big target on your back uh, can change some things, but I think this program and team is well equipped to deal with it. All right, Al. Take care. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next right, week. Thanks. Welcome right, back guys, to the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017 TheHammer.com. Jared Jessalitis and Jeff Julik. And uh, we continue on the Hammerhead Hotline. The man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation. Uh, it is Nate Barrett with us here. Nate, always a pleasure, my friend. A happy Friday to you. A game night here in Mackey Arena. 9 p.m., way past your bedtime, my friend. What do you do? You stay up, watch this thing, or are you DVR in this? No, I got to go. It's uh, Larry Clisby night. Yeah, that's right. The bobblehead and everything, too, right? Yeah, it's Larry Clisby night and uh, the bobblehead and the banner for the Cliz. And I uh, got to be there for that one. Plus, I got to be there to watch the Boilers try and secure the uh, AP number one ranking with a victory over Iowa, which, you know, Iowa come in here. Uh, Franny's a tough out. And he, they're seven and zero, so it'd be a tough out for the Boilers to get the Hawkeyes tonight. But they, you know, they'll get them, and and then we'll see. It should be exciting for Purdue fans come come Monday morning. And that's why you DVR the game, though, Nate, so you can see all the Fran faces afterwards, because you know he's got that scale when he goes nuclear. It's 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 quite a sight to behold. <laughs> you know, the other day somebody put together a really nice. Uh, a compilation photo of all the different Franny faces, and uh, it was it was outstanding. And they, you know, we, we talked down about this, but I mean, um, how much it, would it have meant to Larry Clisby to you know all the years of broadcasting? He never saw a number one team in either football or basketball. How much would it mean to Larry to to see the number one basketball team in the country out there playing at Mackey Arena? Well, Larry'd be ecstatic on a number of levels. Uh, number one, the, you know, the, the Clisby bobble and banner would be almost more than he could take. Uh, but he'd be very happy for Matt and his staff and the way they do things and the way how they've run this program with integrity over the years. And, and to prove, because, you know, that's the big thing, is to prove that you can win at a very high level in college basketball and do things the right way. Larry took great pride in in, in Matt's philosophy and approach and, and uh, so he'd be thrilled for them to to be in this mode. The other thing about Larry was he would hang out with the players. You know, he'd get invited to go bowling with the team, stuff like that. So Larry uh, would have enjoyed this group. It seems like a group of, of nice young men that get along well, that are teammates first. And I, I think part of the joy for him was the kind of people that are Purdue people. And uh, he always had a special care for the players, too, as a broadcaster. And I think he just would have enjoyed, uh, you know, obviously the offense and, and how the way they play. But he would have enjoyed the people that these players are off the court. I'm just picturing myself, uh, I'm just picturing in my head, uh, Cliz and uh, Zach Eady down at the ice skating rink together. Just both, you know, just doing <laughs> laps and stuff. Like, that would be a sight to behold. Absolutely. No, he... <laughs> Everything about this team uh, uh, is just a, a culmination of so many things that uh, he would have had a blast calling it. But you know, I think the other thing Cliz would remind everybody is that you know it's a it's a game to game deal, and you got to go out and earn it every night. And you know that in this league, and what they've accomplished already is amazing. But it, it's uh, it's something where you you know you can't afford in this league to to look too far ahead you just got to meet the opponent that's right in front of you and i thought matt made some really good comments about 
you know, Florida State, what a good team they are. And then Leonard Hamilton made some nice comments in postgame about Purdue uh, from a guy who knows and, and is a very good defensive coach, has been for years down there. So uh, it's not just that Purdue's beating teams, guys. As you know, it's sometimes the way they're, you know, they're, they're beating a team like Florida State. Uh, it's pretty close through a, a good portion of the game. And then Purdue just turns in another gear and pulls away. And that's the thing this Purdue team seems to have is that extra gear. I 100% uh, agree with that because I thought, I made the comment on Twitter during the first half there, it seemed like every time Purdue was ready to pull away, make that thing a laugher, those guys came up with, you know, Mackey's rocking, they come up with a shot, they get the, the, the hoop and get the foul and slow everything back down and claw their way back into it. They just They couldn't keep up with that. But at the same time, I really admired what they were able to do. I know they were down a couple of key pieces, and even with those pieces back, Purdue still wins that game in my mind. But, yeah, uh, to, to come in here to this kind of environment like that, Leonard Hamilton, I, I, I got a lot of respect for that squad. And I still can't believe that man's in his 70s, by the way. No, oh, amazing. Oh, yeah, he gosh. Looks 50. Fran Fraschilla talked about that. He looks 50. But, you know, Boog Shambi said something interesting as they were signing off the broadcast, just saying, uh, I don't think anybody beats Purdue in this building this year. And, and that's a, that's a, you know, a, a prediction that makes a lot of sense uh, from the standpoint of, uh, I think Purdue uh, would have to be in a position guys where they, where they beat themselves. Uh, I just think uh, that their, their talent and their depth uh, with Villanova, they, they wore them down a little bit with that depth. And so, you know, if Purdue's hitting its free throws, not turn the ball over too much and, and doing what they do, um, it's going to be a long night for a lot of people. And, Nate, you bring up that depth, and that has been so obvious this year because what you're seeing is, you know, the last seven to ten minutes of the game, the teams that even they're hitting their three-pointers early in the game, those legs are gone because Purdue's warmed down, and all of a sudden, you know, you got Purdue players who are playing 25 minutes a game, and, and you know, right now nobody seems to have that depth and production that Purdue has, and that's just causing a lot of issues. Uh, you feel really confident that Purdue is going to pull away from teams at the end of the games because they've simply just wore the opponent down. Yeah, I think I think that's what you're going to continue to see in a lot of instances. And uh, you know, you're essentially dealing with two starting fives here, guys. And uh, I mean, when can, when can you say that? And you. You, you, Fran Priscilla also commented on that. I, I really uh, enjoyed listening to those guys the other night because one comment he made, Boog was asking him about the 88 Purdue team with Lewis, Mitchell, and Stevens, and his comment was that there's just so much more depth on this team. And I think that's right. You had Lewis, Mitchell, Stevens, Mel McCants, you know, uh, on that group. But, you know, when you got to the bench, it, it wasn't the same as, as what, you know, the young Scheffler and some of those guys. It was Tony Jones, but it wasn't the same bench overall that this team has. And so, you know, it's fun to look out there, whoever, whatever five Purdue has on the floor, and then count the, the guys you know that can flat play that are not on the floor at that time. And uh, so really good analysis and video from some of these national media commentators coming out that know the game really well and are saying, no, uh, this isn't just talk. Uh, Purdue has a real chance here at a very special run. And, uh, you know, when you get to some of the national media that have seen them all and, and been to Final Fours and, and seen a lot of great champions play, to hear that gives you a, a lot of excitement as a Boilermaker fan that, you know, they, they can do it. The, the opportunity's there, the coaching is there, uh, and the depth is there, and, and you have all those factors. It, 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 
it could be a, an unbelievable run. And it was uh, very nice to hear that out of Fran, especially after his job that he did the week before at the tournament where you know they play UNC and he turned it into a UNC recruitment ad. Oh, Hubert's just such a great guy, like every five seconds. And then Sunday, Jay writes the this Villanova program with so much history, da 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 And now all of a sudden he's watched it for three straight times. He goes, all right, yep, this Purdue team is number one. Finally, you know, when you can bend somebody's arm like that through their play, uh, that's always nice to see in the national media, Nate. Well, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because I did think, I also, Jared, thought we got a little bit different Fran in those first two games uh, than we did in the Florida State game. And I like the one in the Florida State game a lot better from a Purdue viewpoint. <laughs> it's like we're the uh, it's like we're the other uh, boyfriend, right? You know, she she, she won't uh, sweet talk in front of the friends or anything like that. But if they're not paying attention, it's like, oh no, you're just you're so great. You're you're amazing. And it could be the fact that he was sitting 50 feet from the paint crew and they weren't going to let him out of the arena that Yeah, night, no, so. you see what they do to Dockets, man. He doesn't, he doesn't want yeah, any of that smoke. It's a, it's a good bet as a color commentator on those broadcasts to kind of be a little bit of a homer when you're when you're out in the home team's gym. Uh, goodness gracious. Nate Barrett, uh, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, should be an emotional night tonight here as uh, they honor the Cliffs with the uh, bobbleheads and everything, too, on the verge of being number one as well here as long as they take care of business against Iowa. The conclusion I've taken from this gentleman is uh, we all need to just be betting on the second half uh, outcomes of Purdue basketball. Don't worry about the spread. Just take them second half because they just wear you down. I mean, when's the last time they've lost a second half this season? I don't think they have yet, have they? No, they, they've been pretty great in the second half, guys. And that that'd be the other thing that Cliz would have left you with is he'd say, forget all the other stuff, boys. Win the game. There you go. Nate Barrett, buddy, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. Thank you for making time on a busy Friday, as always. Enjoy tonight's game. We'll talk with you next week. All right, buddy? Thanks. Have a great show, guys. Welcome back. Boiler Basketball Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Jared Jessel has Jeff Julek spending the whole hour here talking about your Boilermaker basketball team. Great conversations there with Alan Carpet. Great conversation with Nate Barrett. Now on the program is the time, Jeff. We'd like to take a look at the Big Ten as a whole and uh, see what is on tap for the rest of the week. First off, congratulations to the Big Ten. Needed eight wins, got eight wins. Just needed two wins out of that last six yesterday uh, or two nights ago uh, to seal the challenge. So they go ahead and do that. I believe it's like the 14th time they've won the Big Ten ACC Challenge. It has not been kind to the ACC. And they needed it this year because ACC is really down. So had the uh, Big Ten lost that, I think that would have been a black eye. And and that's an issue for Purdue basketball because, uh, you know, Purdue's building a resume and they need to have a tough conference to, uh, we feel they're going to dominate the Big Ten and they need to win that. And everybody say, well, they, they beat a lot of good teams in the conference. Yeah, you, you need to have those challenges in conference. Can't be like Gonzaga, though. It does work out for Gonzaga. So. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the Big Ten as a whole. Uh, three undefeateds remain, two of them tonight, taking on each other. Iowa and Purdue both at 7-0. and Who had Minnesota at 6-0? and Look, I know they're probably not a tremendous team, but uh, still 6-0 and is probably outkicking their cover just a little bit. Yeah, and you know, they were picked uh, you know bottom of the Big Ten, so that's a nice start to the Gophers, and we'll see uh, – how they do once these uh, two Big Ten Conference plays uh, games play out here in December. Two one-loss teams in Wisconsin and Indiana who lost out at Syracuse. The Carrier Dome, it'll get you. That 2-3 zone will get you if you're not prepared. And oh, Look, that's a terrible matchup for Indiana. I, it just was. I, look, you're, you're counting on a lot of perimeter shooting. That's not their forte. It's well, their not. problem was 27 turnovers. I mean, you Yeah, know, that we, too didn't we, help. 
you know, you turn the ball over that many times, you're not going to win, and you put up, what, 110 points and get beat? Uh, Michigan State at 6-2. and two. The Illini at 5-2. and two. Northwestern at 5-2. and two. Ohio State at 5-2. and two. That big win over Duke. Uh, then you have 5-3 and three Maryland and Nebraska. 4-3 and three Michigan. What? Ugh. Really? You know, Michigan's got so much talent, but they're young, and they're just not playing very well together as a team I right want to be now. playing Michigan in December, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, they're going to get better, but right now they are not a good basketball team. Then you got Penn State and uh, Rutgers down there at the bottom at four and three. Not, not putrid, but um, not amazing, right? I, yeah. I was hoping, I was hoping for Coach Shrewsbury to have a little bit of a, you know, at least like five and two at this point. But four and three, it's not the end of the world. But they got a lot of issues they got to work through and build, and it, it'll get there eventually. But right now, just not having it with uh, Penn State. All right, let's take a look at the uh, matchups for the week tonight. Rutgers is at Illinois. That's an early one with a 7 p.m. tip-off on ESPN. Iowa and Purdue, 9 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. What an exciting way to finish the uh, night there for the the Big Ten Network as they uh, hopefully watch a team uh, take over the number one position in the country. Yeah, it's almost like uh, they had an opportunity to do this in the past and weren't able to do it, huh? Yeah, so that's... Oh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, can't believe that, that happens. Huh? Man, bummer. <laughs> uh, then on Saturday, wake on up at noon, the Hoosiers get Nebraska at home because it's hard to get out of Bloomington this time of year. It is, and you know, Nebraska coming off that four-overtime uh, loss to uh, North Carolina State, <laughs> so that's... Uh, I think I joked around yesterday on my show, I said took uh, Nebraska four overtimes to lose. Yeah. That's and, a special talent. You know, Nick Sardi, the Boilermakers played North Carolina State, so I was uh, intrigued uh, by that matchup. But, boy, uh, you know, Nebraska is a better team, but uh, this will be a tough challenge for them head- heading into Bloomington. Yeah, it'll be a good uh, game for Bloomington to be able to pound their chest. I'll tell you what, you should be watching on Fox. Good matchup here. Marquette at 23rd-ranked Wisconsin at 1230. Golden Eagles are pretty good. They're a one-loss team. Yeah, you know, and, and Wisconsin is getting better and better. They um, – you know, Davison's been there for what, like 13 years, and uh, you know he's still scoring a lot of points. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, Wisconsin is a surprise team of the conference so far. He's on that uh, Aaron Kraft plan, is what it is. He's on the Aaron Kraft <laughs> plan. Uh, San Diego State travels to Michigan 1 p.m. on CBS, and then uh, Toledo heads up to uh, the Breslin Center in East Lansing at 5 p.m. So. Like I know you'll be watching a lot of that uh, football there, but uh, that's all a great lead-in to the Big Ten championship game later on that evening. Everything wraps up there in time. Yeah, and don't sleep on Michigan State. They seem to be getting better and better, and uh, you know they, uh, they're they going to be a team that's going to be a challenge for a lot of teams in the conference. Sunday, we've got action, although it is Northwestern at Maryland at noon. Uh, Minnesota is at Mississippi State at 2 p.m., and then 7.30, uh, Ohio State is in the Bryce Jordan Center to take on Penn State. And, uh, you know, your Buckeyes are feeling it right now. I mean. Yeah, they've gotten better and better. And, you know, when they get uh, suing back into that lineup, they're going to be a tough team uh, in the conference as well. And, uh, you know, for them to uh, come back where they, get, they did against Duke and uh, get the production from Keys out of the uh, post position. Um, Shocked. You know, their, their issue is still the guard position. They're still very weak at the guard spots but uh, you know they're gonna be a team that uh, i look for to be in the top half of the uh, conference this year absolutely shocked i went to bed 
and Ohio State was down 13. I said, well, my parlays are hitting. No problem. We're good to go here. And I wake up, and there ain't no money in the account, and I couldn't believe what I saw. Hey, I got a new. I had to get up early for an event I had, and it was. Uh, I had uh, numerous texts waking me up that the uh, the Dukies had went down, and the uh, Boilers were primed to take over the number one spot. So, very exciting night. I love the one time you appreciate the boys in Columbus. All right, Monday, just one matchup here and uh, another early one. The Illini at Iowa. That should be an interesting matchup. Although Illinois still got some things, I think, to figure out here, um, specifically at the guard position, too. Uh, but they do play some decent defense, and uh, that'll be interesting to see what they can do at Carver Hawkeye. Yeah, and we'll see how Iowa responds to whatever happens tonight. So, you know, if they come off a big loss tonight, as we anticipate. Um, we'll see if they can rebound against the Illini. On Tuesday, it's 24th-ranked Michigan on the road in Lincoln to take on Nebraska, 7 p.m. on ESPN2. And you would think if Michigan needs to get its groove back, these first couple of games should definitely do it. And that's got to be a must-win. And you can't just say that they're going to go out there and win the game the way Michigan's playing right now. I mean, what, they put up 50 it's points? It's Nebraska! It's Nebraska, but, you know, there's been some uh, decent teams got to Nebraska and get beat before, so... Uh, not th- against this team. I think this could be a closer game than most people would anticipate. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you <laughs> respectfully on that one. Res- with all due respect, Jeff, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I did say with all due respect. Wednesday, it's Indiana at Wisconsin. Boy, that's a nice little road test there for the Hoosiers. you got to like that. Uh, Wagner, although this is the Big Ten here, maybe it's Wagner, uh, is at uh, Penn State at 7 p.m. Well played. Michigan State at Minnesota at 9 p.m. up there in the barn. And Tosin is at Ohio State on Wednesday night. Uh, clearly the marquee one there is Indiana and Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, and, and that is a huge uh, game for the for the Hoosiers because, you know, they were uh, very confident going into that Syracuse game. They got beat, and now uh, those be that was their first road trip of the season. And now they've got to play a second road game of the season and like I say this will be a game which you I think Wisconsin can probably win win fairly easily and then Purdue after that nice long layoff there they get a, a little bit of a break they're back in action on Thursday they're going to the rack the Jersey Mike Serena uh, Purdue will be a sub above the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at 7 p.m. Uh, and then Iowa out at Ames to take on Iowa State who is ranked 19th by the way yeah, so, yeah, another tough game for the uh, Hawkeyes. So they've got three tough games in a row coming up here. And, you know, Purdue's making that East Coast trip. They're uh, taking on Rutgers, and then they uh, head on over and uh, and uh, what they play. North Carolina State, is that in New York? If that's my mistake, I believe it is. So they're playing that game on Saturday in New York. So, so. Boy, scheduling gods didn't do them any favors, did they? No, they did not. Yeah, so. they're about to run into a buzzsaw tonight, and then they'll have to see if they can put the pieces back together with some Gorilla Glue or something like that. I don't know, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Look, amazing night tonight for the Boilermakers. If you're going to the game, take a moment and just take it all in when you get there because it's uh, going to be another amazing atmosphere. Of course, I gave away my tickets on the show the other day, so... That's very nice of you. I know. I know. You're that kind of guy. I'm that kind of guy. So I'll be at home, but I will be watching with bourbon in hand. Uh, That does it here (laughs) for us on the Boiler Basketball Show. Thank you to our friends, Nate Barrett, Alan Karpik, for being on because they always bring the good stuff here. And, of course, we want to thank you guys for listening. Exciting time to be a Boilermaker fan. We'll be back doing it again next Friday, same time here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Boiler up.